Hey there, it's Michael Costa from The Daily Show on Comedy Central. Ever wonder what happens behind the scenes or want to catch some extended interviews? Well, now you can. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition podcast for full episodes, extended content, and a whole lot more. The Daily Show, Ears Edition is available wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Comedy Central. This week on Tuning Out the News... It's the long-awaited season premiere of the Take No Prisoners late-night show, Sparks. And Austin Sparks is asking Republican presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy whether he's telling everyone not to invest in woke companies because, as we expose, he's secretly buying all the shares for himself. Then, the elites at Inside the Hill ask legendary journalist Carl Bernstein if journalism has lost its sheen now that you just need to wait for a Mar-a-Lago member to post a selfie with Trump using a CIA spy list as a lobster bib. But first, the shock firing of Tucker Carlson. Will he have more empathy for society's downtrodden after a cataclysmic act of God like being replaced by Brian Kilmeade? It's Thursday, April 27th. Welcome to Tuning Out the News, the podcast. Up first, big news. Good evening out there. I'm James Smartwood and I cannot be fired because I will cry really hard. The top story, Fox News grappling with their wildly popular host Tucker Carlson airing racist violence inciting conspiracy theories. Look deep into their soul, examine their moral core, and decided crisis guy is costing us a lot of money. Tucker played a role in the $787 million Dominion voting settlement and is now being sued by his former booker, proving that he's not just some television phony, he's just as violent behind the camera. I show up first day of work. There are literally pictures like this big of Nancy Pelosi in a bathing suit in Europe, plastered all over. What was your experience with anti-Semitism? I've never experienced it in my life until now. Truly shocking that Tucker Carlson's workplace was a bad experience for a Jewish female producer. Joining me now is Democratic strategist whose life mission is to be named checked in the follow-up memoir from Chastin Buttigieg, Lydia Parker. Good evening. Chief Washington Bureau Chief, whose wife kicked him out after he spent their entire 30th anniversary dinner talking to a couple at the next table, Jonathan Keene. Hello. Chief Field Correspondent, whose hand is still a little sticky from when he fell in gravel earlier, James Smartwood Jr. Hey. Dad. And CBS News senior White House correspondent who woke up at 3 a.m. in front of the fridge giving a full report on the state of today's carrots, Weijia Zhang. Thanks for being here, Weijia. Great to be with you, James. Weijia, Tucker Carlson's firing comes as Fox News faces massive ongoing legal and financial exposure. What's the state of affairs over there? And when you answer, please set aside your relentless, frankly gauche campaign to become Tucker's replacement. Well, all of this unfolded, of course, when uh, Fox News decided to settle with Dominion Voting Systems for that whopping number that you mentioned at the top of the show. And really, that investigation unearthed a lot about Tucker Carlson and what he said about colleagues, um, sort of his uh, SOP in running his show. And so this is the aftermath. And I think it shows that uh, News Corp and Fox News is saying, sending a message that regardless of how popular one of our hosts is, nobody is untouchable. Well, look, we're all praying for the Murdochs, but I don't believe the reports about why this happened. I'm convinced he did something inappropriate at his April 20th Hitler birthday celebration. I'm concerned America can't weather the end of Tucker Carlson lawsuits, which have consistently 
consistently served as a stimulus to our wobbly economy. Hey, I look forward to Tucker unveiling the Rube Goldberg machine that connects his firing to a trans athlete joining a swim team. And now the search begins for Tucker's successor. I'm going with either Jesse Waters or a two-foot-tall, gleaming Aryan goblin. Oh, I am getting word that the goblin was just me too. Wow, that was quick. I can see it coming. Now moving on, President Joe Biden announced that he will seek re-election, showing he is not afraid of Gavin Newsom's repeated attempts to serve him Cobra ice cream. Biden is definitely physically capable of delivering a live 2024 re-election campaign announcement without collapsing into a pile of chalky bones, but instead opted for a far more taxing uploading a short video to YouTube. Freedom. Ah! Personal freedom is fundamental to who we are as Americans. That's been the work of my first term, to fight for our democracy, to protect our rights. Biden there appealing to DraftKings' obsessed America by asking voters to bet their rights on Joe Biden's threadbare aorta. Ouija, the White House could have gone with numerous lofty messages, including the other guy boinked a porn star, but instead went with freedom. What are you hearing from the White House on this campaign? So I think this was an opportunity for the Biden campaign to capitalize on the current state of affairs for the current Republican frontrunner, which is, of course, former President Donald Trump. The big question now is whether he's going to rely on video messages like the one we saw today or actually get out there on the campaign trail. Uh, of course, four years ago, we saw him a lot via Zoom, via videos, but that was in the middle of a pandemic. Luckily, the Biden campaign is doing all they can. Here in the studio, exclusively, are the dolphins that will provide the cartilage that will be injected into Biden's face so he appears alive. Welcome, dolphins, to the show. I don't know if I like democracy hinging on the dolphins. Keep your voice down. The dolphins are right there. They actually can't hear. Dolphins cannot hear. Even if they can hear, dolphins don't have the ability to get offended. We mm. know that. Is that true? Just insult the dolphin quickly. Keen, like a roast start? comment? Okay, uh, your skin is far too shiny. Oh, oh over the line, oh. Keen. Way over the line. You. We're all going to get fired, Keen. Well, I got to puke up some AirPods, so that's all the time we have. Up next on Tuning Out the News, the podcast. It's the highly anticipated season debut of the Tell It Like It Is conservative late night show, Sparks, with special guest and presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy. But first, a word from our sponsor. Nature Valley Granola Bars. Carpet yourself in flavor crumbs. Welcome back. This week on Tuning Out the News, host Austin Sparks welcomes fellow independent thinkers to his irreverent right-wing comedy show, Sparks, where he and the panel sound off about Tucker Carlson's firing and wokeism in business with Republican presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy. The wait is over. The season premiere of Sparks begins right now. Tonight is the night. Tonight, it's the season premiere of Sparks. The long-awaited season premiere of Sparks. Schools and workplaces are letting everyone out early. Tonight, to honor the premiere, the White House will be lit up Monster Energy Drink Green. Look at this, on StubHub, tickets to be in the audience are selling for $5 million. To keep the tailgating under control, President Biden has called up the National Guard, initiating a response simply known as 
Omega protocol. New York City has opened its overflow triage hospital in Central Park for viewers suffering laughter-related injuries. Wall Street concern about a sell-off of all non-Sparks stocks has closed the markets for tomorrow. A designated survivor has been chosen for the Sparks premiere. Cade Plus 8's John Goslin. North Korea will halt all missile tests during Sparks out of respect for what Kim Jong-un is calling the real gun show. A lot of rumors being thrown around on what to expect in the season premiere. But the leading contender among those rumors is Austin Sparks will wear a blue wig. This is no surprise. The top baby name of 2023, Sparks. Number two, Little Sparksy. We are working to confirm that Austin Sparks is simultaneously dating Bella Hadid, Ana de Armas, and Tilda Swinton. Remember, there's only one Sparks airing on Comedy Central. Anyone who says otherwise is trying to scam you. I, for one, cannot wait. God bless Austin Sparks. Tonight on Sparks, SeaWorld Jail Five-Timers Club member Bonnie Davis, Concussion Protocol Dodger Blake Holiday, Republican presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy, and me, I'm Ed Hall. And now, here's the host of the highest-rated show in history, thrice crypto-crash survivor, Austin Sparks. Thank you, thank you. Stop, stop, seriously, stop. We got a show to do. I love you, too. All right. It's your boy, Austin Sparks. But who am I really? I'll tell you in tonight's monologue. First of all, I'm a straight white man. And in today's America, that's a crime. Have I been thrown in prison? Of course not, I'm a straight white man. But every morning, I feel like a prisoner. Not to unforgiving masculine norms forced upon me from birth, but to wokeness. Politically? I'm an independent. I believe in live and let live. You do you, full stop. Unless it means men wearing a dress, you can't just do whatever you want. I'm a truth teller. I say what I mean, no pulling punches. And if you're offended, I was just joking. I didn't mean it that way, you need to lighten up. I used to be a liberal. Yeah, it's true. I was fired from a liberal cable news program because I was too real for them. And I didn't realize my Zoom camera was on during a meeting. Coincidentally, at the exact moment my cancellation rendered me unemployable and my agent mentioned conservative comedy is highly lucrative, I had a political awakening. The woke mob is out of control. And that's the monologue. Speaking of woke mob, pour one out for my brother in boat shoes, Tucker Carlson, who is out at Fox News. Rupert Murdoch apparently is all for free speech unless you commit the thought crime of costing him one billion dollars. One man leading the campaign against corporations promoting woke ideology is wealthy business executive and Republican presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy. According to a national poll of Republican primary voters, he is now polling fifth ahead of strong Republican candidates and Mike Pence. Vivek also puts the lit in literary because he's a dang New York Times best-selling author of Woe Kink, Inside Corporate America's Social Justice Scam, and Capitalist Punishment, How Wall Street is Using Your Money to Create a Country You Didn't Vote For. Make some noise for Vivek, who joins us now. What's up, Vivek? How you doing, Austin? How are you? I'm doing so good, man. Hey, let's jump into this. Vivek, you were booked on Tucker's show the night Fox News announced his departure. Bro, give me the deets on how Tucker pimp-walked out of there, flipping the double bird, one for each Murdoch son. So to tell you the truth, I wasn't in the room and couldn't tell you what happened. What I will tell you is I've gone on Tucker's mm. show for a couple of years now. 
I've actually gotten to know him. I have found him to be one of the most thoughtful voices, not just in the conservative movement, but really in the movement of open discussion about American politics. And so that's what I think we need more of in our politics, in our discourses. People who on principle will say that, you know what, even if you disagree with me, I believe in your right to say it. I'll applaud my friend for that. Good defense of Tucker and hella smart of you to put yourself out on a limb like that before all the facts come out. I am with you, Vivek. And, you know, the left claims to care about sustainability, then celebrates the firing of the number one recycler of World War II era anti-Semitic dog whistles. This Tucker departure is bad. We can't be switching generals this late in the sperm wars. Sperm 11, never forget. Now, wokeness is destroying something far more important than the fabric of American society, our money. Luckily, Vivek, you are leading a crusade against environmental, social, and governance investing, or ESG investing, and even co-founded Strive, an anti-woke asset management and advisory firm. And you're crushing it, convincing Indiana's $42.4 billion state pension fund to contract with Strive. Quote, the contract obtained by the Capitol Chronicle is capped at $150,000, with conservative Republican presidential candidate Ramaswamy set to earn $4,000 per hour for ad hoc work. Ka-ching! But one state ain't enough. You're pitching Strive to all the states on the back end of the literacy bell curve. Emails obtained by Watchdog Group documented and provided to us show Strive approached at least 10 states in the last year. Now, Vivek, how do you clap back at the haters who claim there's a conflict of interest between your anti-woke political crusade and your highly lucrative anti-woke asset management business? Well, I actually stepped aside from Strive and my other businesses to run for U.S. president. But at the time I founded Strive, you know what I was taking on? I was taking on incumbents mm. like BlackRock and Vanguard and State Street. Mm-hmm. Those three institutions alone manage over $20 trillion of money. Yes, including that of state yeah. pension funds across this country. They have captured the system. And when you have large incumbents in a near oligopoly, an ESG oligopoly, yes, that captures the system, Mm -hmm. you're right, it is hard for a new incumbent to break in, especially when you're coming in with a different message. Yeah, you stepped back, but according to the nerds at the SEC, you still own a majority stake in Strive between 50 and 75%. Do you want to send a heartfelt message to your employees back at the office making anti-woke investments while you're out here on your completely unrelated anti-woke presidential campaign? Well, I've actually never used the word anti-woke. I am pro-excellence. I think that's one of the things we miss in this country is that we like to put labels on things as opposed to asking what it is we actually stand for. I stand in my presidential campaign for actual values, the individual, family, Uh God, the nation. That's actually what I talk about. But I know a lot of left-wing media likes to apply labels anti-woke. I don't call myself that. I call myself pro-excellence and pro-American. Got it. We'll get the word woke off the cover of your book right away. Moving on, you say that corporations have a fiduciary duty to focus on profits over woke priorities. Now, Indiana's nonpartisan Office of Fiscal and Management Analysis, which I assume is run by Lena Dunham, determined that your approach could result in reduced aggregated investment returns by $6.7 billion over the next 10 years. So Vivek, explain why investment funds need to stop being woke and start fulfilling their fiduciary duty to make less money. Well, just look at the actual facts. Last year, ESG funds dramatically underperformed the market, and they even more dramatically underperformed the very sectors that they shunned, like oil, gas, and coal. Hey, hang on! 
on a second. It is not fair to say Strive would lose Indiana $6.7 billion. I mean, Strive is going to siphon off a good chunk of that before it disappears. Awesome. Now, Vivek, let's talk about companies putting wokeness ahead of profits. Now, specific companies like Disney, Nike, Hershey's, Starbucks, Apple. I don't like to talk about how much money I have, but I got a lot of money, bro. So be real. Should I think twice before investing in these companies? Look, I think you should make a decision based on how well managed a company is and whether it has a product or service that actually makes people live a better life. That's the best way that companies create value. Some companies have to serve their customer bases, but part of what's going on is companies like Apple and Chevron and Home Depot, they've been forced to adopt racial equity audits and they've been forced to adopt emissions caps that those Mm -hmm. companies didn't initially want to adopt until they were forced to by the likes of BlackRock and State Street and Vanguard. So I had to write a book exposing this capitalist punishment. But I'll tell you, this is a complicated issue. It's designed to do through the back door what government couldn't get done through the front door. That's a farce, and I believe in exposing all farces, all all hypocrisy for what it is. That's what this game is about. It's hypocrisy. Yes, we need to expose hypocrisy. Like how your company Strive Asset Management, according to their SEC filing, invests in all those woke companies you just railed against. Is there any way you can talk some sense into the bleeding heart SJW majority owner? Well, here's actually the interesting fact. Index funds means Americans get to invest in the market more broadly. But the the little secret is you actually get a vote and a voice that goes along with that. So my purpose in founding Strive was to exercise that vote and voice differently, telling companies something really simple. Knock it off with the politics and focus on your products and services for profit without apologizing for it. And for those people who, with their own money, want to tell companies to, yes, focus on environmental or social agendas, you're right, it's a free country. You should absolutely be free to do that. But what I object to is a lot of people, without knowing it, have their money directed via 401k accounts or pension fund accounts to fund managers that tell those companies to adopt social agendas without actually knowing it. My dude is grinding. Specifically, he's grinding away hardworking Indiana residents' ability to retire. Let them freaks eat cat food! That's all the time we have. Thank you to my co-hosts and my guest, surging presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy. I'll be workshopping new material at the United Nations General Assembly. Emphasis on the ass in assembly, so check me out there, folks. It's gonna be riveting. When Tuning Out the News returns, the upper-class panelists of Inside the Hill sit down with legendary journalist Carl Bernstein to discuss how corruption in Washington has changed since the days of Watergate. That's ahead. Google, adding AI so your search for cabinet installers sends you into an existential earthquake. This week on Tuning Out the News... Hosts Rich Ballard, Sarah Sabo, and the elite Washington panelists of Inside the Hill were joined by Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Carl Bernstein to discuss the evolution of corruption in American politics and react to the latest news out of Fox about Tucker Carlson and Dominion. Today, we talk to legendary journalist Carl Bernstein about whether it's harder for journalists to investigate corruption now that crafty politicians openly chant their seditious plans to a salivating crowd. Let's go inside! Inside the Hill. I'm Sarah Sabo and I resist. 
resent the moon for providing free illumination to just anyone. And I'm Rich Ballard, and I'm facing six different lawsuits from human rights organizations over the materials in my veneers. Joining us is Wall Street Journal columnist whose will has a section titled Settling of Scores, Eleanor Palmer. Hello. And Princeton history professor oblivious to the fact that his phone cannot complete incoming or outgoing calls, Dr. Ike Bloom. Greetings. Let's jump in. Special counsel Jack Smith's investigation into Trump's efforts to overturn the 2020 election is ramping up as Smith meets with Trump's attorneys, heroically risking blindness by breathing the same syphilitic air. Here to discuss is legendary Pulitzer Prize winning journalist and author of the new book, Chasing History, A Kid in the Newsroom, Carl Bernstein. Thank you for joining us, Carl. Good to be with you. Carl, since your investigation into Watergate, you've been known as the preeminent journalist on Washington corruption, the second being worthless hack Bob Woodward. How has unmasking government corruption changed now that, instead of covert meetings with Deep Throat, reporters just take notes as Mike Lindell broadcasts a seven-hour-long manic episode? I think that Washington has always had huge problems with all kinds of conflicts of interest, uh, with all kinds of uh, fakers, uh, with all kinds of wannabes. Um, I wouldn't be too nostalgic. I think we're, we're in an era where the real difference uh, that we're talking about, say, from the Watergate era and today is the people of the country uh, and the politicians, particularly the Republican Party, which has been captured uh, by forces that embrace and are enthusiastic about authoritarianism, uh, about a kind of dishonesty and conspiratorial uh, viewpoint that has little to do often with the truth and that is hijacked uh, to a large extent, mainstream conservatism. Now, Carl, the journalism world is in shock this week because of the sudden departure of Fox News host, who somehow became even more insufferable after his bow tie era, Tucker Carlson. What's your reaction to the downfall of your protege? <laughs> My protege. I think if you looked hard enough, you'd find some uh, clips of Tucker and myself on the air together on his MSNBC show uh, in in the early part of the 20th century. And at that point in his career, Tucker was a, I think, a fairly responsible uh, news person uh, from a point of view of traditional conservatism, but not outside the realm and into conspiracies. Uh, and into endorsing uh, the kind of outrageous racist uh, attacks that he has promulgated on the air at Fox without uh, being a shill for Donald Trump the way he had been and what we know now, especially uh, from the, the Dominion case. He was a different person in those days. We all know this is what happens when you hog the office fridge with your semen beakers. Now, Carl, Tucker recently attacked you. After you criticized Trump's handling of classified documents, Tucker made this claim about your role in the resignation of Richard Nixon. The funniest part was Bernstein, formerly the Washington Post, who literally participated in an FBI operation, not guessing, documented, an FBI operation to drive a sitting duly elected president from office. Carl Bernstein participated in that, and he's lecturing us about how, no, we have to keep the secret thing secret. That brings us to our new segment, Carl Bernstein's tearful apology to Tucker Carlson. Carl, take it away. <laughs> Tucker knows better. <laughs> that's, uh, that's Tucker again, uh, playing fast and loose with the truth, with the facts. 
inventing conspiracies. It took me a while to figure out what he was talking about. I believe he's referring to the fact that Mark Felt, a former deputy director of the FBI, a source that Woodward and myself called Deep Throat in Watergate, the fact that he imparted, gave us, gave Bob information uh, about the Watergate conspiracy and about Richard Nixon's crimes. Uh, he had been an assistant FBI director. That does not mean that there was some FBI operation to get rid of Richard Nixon. There was no such thing. Uh, in fact, a good deal of, of uh, Watergate investigation by the prosecutors and others was co-opted uh, by forces in the Justice Department who were controlled by the Nixon White House. Uh, Tucker doesn't know what he's talking about there. Might not be the that was that was last week's thing on his plate. He might have something else today. I'm with Tucker. Sure, Nixon was flawed, but let's not forget he gifted humanity all those glorious craters in Cambodia. Yes, journalists should distrust any source who has credentials beyond assistant manager of a computer repair shop where Hunter Biden dropped off his laptop. Moving on to the Dominion Fox News settlement, many in the media have expressed concern that the settlement did not require Fox News to issue an apology for the small crime of turning their audience into misled insurrection-craving arms psychopaths. Carl, are you disappointed Fox News is not required to issue an apology? And if so, what does that say about your petty, vengeful jealousy? Um, look, the revelations about Fox News in this case are extraordinary. We now know an awful lot more about the internal workings of Fox News. It's not a real news organization. It is a political entity. And the sooner we recognize that and deal with it as such, uh, the better off we are culturally in this country. I think you're jealous. Everyone relax. I know how to talk to someone like Carl, still holding on to his obsolete craft of journalism. <clears throat> A fine morning, my dear lad, Carl. Perhaps you and the cobbler will join me for some mead at the alehouse around sundown? And perhaps afterwards, Carl can take me behind the sheep stable, spend a fortnight unclasping my girdle, and go bonkers on me. I'm creating a foundation to get former NBC Universal CEO Jeff Shell back on his feet, so that's all the time we have. Thank you to our esteemed guest, Carl Bernstein. Thank you, Carl. Good to be with you. I didn't know they had the word bonkers back then. They don't know in fact. After the break, it's the first segment of digital exclusive Tuning Out Sports, where host Jonathan Keane asks journalist and broadcaster Taylor Rooks about the NBA playoffs. Stick around. Decorative bowl of limes. Make guests mutter. Good for you, asshole. Welcome back. This week, Tuning Out Sports host Jonathan Keane welcomed Bleacher Report's Taylor Rooks to weigh in on Draymond Green's stomp suspension, the competitive parody of the NBA playoffs, and the ins and outs of the new NBA CBA. Tonight, sports journalist and broadcaster Taylor Rooks joins us to cover whether it's more dangerous to be an NBA superstar or a SpaceX rocket test pilot. It's time for Tuning Out Sports. I'm host nicknamed the Saliva Tsunami by the first girl I ever kissed, Jonathan Keene. Let's bring in our guest, Taylor Rooks. Thanks for joining us, Taylor. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. I'm happy to be here with you. Taylor, the big headline this week was the suspension of Draymond Green after the victimless crime of stomping on DeMontis Sabonis' chest. 
Take us through what happened and tell us how the NBA is supposed to appeal to young people if the league punishes superstars for acting like toddlers. DeMontis grabbed Draymond's leg. Draymond says he had nowhere to land um, except for kind of on Sabonis. So landed on him, got up. It was a bit of a stump and then kind of jumped over. Um, then I would say chaos ensued after that. There was some playing to the crowd. Uh, there was some some kind of hyping up the team. He was then ejected, uh, later suspended. I would say a very questionable suspension that I don't um necessarily agree with at all now to be fair draymond did show contrition afterwards by screaming pussy at fans but let me ask first why did you disagree with that suspension i think that it was excessive to have the suspension because it felt like a bit more of a reputation suspension draymond got that ruling mm. because he's draymond um the statement i think even said that the suspension was due in part to his history of what they deem to be some unsportsmanlike acts then you could argue if you put any other name on that jersey they don't get suspended they get slapped with the fine ejection and we all move on uh but draymond is draymond and that's that's kind of what happened well moving on some believe tv ratings for the nba playoffs are way up because of competitive parity do you miss the days of having the same billionaire piano key mouth child bride having dipshit holding the championship trophy every year um, I do not. Uh, I like the idea of having no idea who is going to win. And that is not me saying I don't like watching greatness. I like when there's teams that are dominating. Uh, I don't know if I'd phrase it in the way that you did, but I do like the idea of having some new champions. Under the new CBA, players need to play 65 regular season games to be eligible for postseason awards. Now, in future CBAs, can we expect owners to mandate players be missing at least three limbs before they can sit out a game? You know, you can never underestimate owners. They might do, uh, they might say you have to be missing four limbs uh, and that would have to be a qualification. But I am kind of on the fence about this um, 65 game minimum. I think it could be a little sticky. Even if you look at last season, there was four players on an all NBA team that played less than 65. Right now, Giannis is one of the MVP candidates. He only played 63 games. Embiid just made it by, by playing 66. So I'm not saying it's an arbitrary number because it's not, but you're definitely gonna see a shift in the names that we see get these awards and make all NBA teams. And I don't know if the owners are going to like how this affects, you know, their their supermaxes and extensions and contracts. And so much of it is based on, on all NBA. So the owners might not think it's going to get to them now, uh, but it will eventually. I'm off to pay someone $700 to dress up like the Philly fanatic and tell me he's proud of the man I've become. So that's all the time we have. Thank you to my guest, Taylor Rook. Thank you so much for having me, Jonathan. Our pleasure. Check out the Bleacher Report's Taylor Rook's X interview show and follow Taylor's NBA on TNT Twitter live streams throughout the NBA playoffs. Good night. Until next week, this has been Tuning Out the News, the podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast, please give us a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. Watch Stephen Colbert Presents Tuning Out the News on Comedy Central, Wednesdays after The Daily Show. And follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. Hey there, it's Michael Costa from The Daily Show on Comedy Central. Ever wonder what happens behind the scenes or want to catch some extended interviews? Well, now you can. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition podcast for full episodes, extended content, and a whole lot more. The Daily Show, Ears Edition is available wherever you get your podcasts.